Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm also Co-Editor of PW Comics World, as well as Graphic Novels Review Editor of Publishers Weekly and uh, the Editor-in-Chief of ComicsBeat.com. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us on pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And you can also subscribe to More to Come on iTunes and, and on social media, and on, uh, particularly Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And we're also on Twitter at pwcomicsworld, at pwcomicsworld. All right. This week on More to Come, TCAF and DNQ, Archie Kickstarter, Daredevil and... The Age of Ultron, and New York Comic Con snafu. Well, let's jump right back to the top of the list. TCAF 2015, my, uh, Toronto, Canada. My so first Calvin trip. finally got to go. I finally got there, and boy, are my arms tired. No, <laughs> no, believe me. I, I'm tired, but only because I was completely overwhelmed uh, and uh, loving it about Toronto Comics Arts Festival. It is without a doubt the, one of the best, if not the best, and most enjoyable comics conventions I have been to in recent memory. Once you start going, you never stop. Uh, Did you get any butter tarts, Calvin? Butter tarts? I don't even know what butter tarts are. <laughs> Was that yeah. some Toronto but, but delicacy that I are. missed out? They, they are a Canadian delicacy, particularly popular ah. in Toronto, uh, which they look kind of like itty-bitty pies, and they have I, kind of a... a Butter, brown sugar filling. I didn't, but I tell you, I knocked back more than a few uh, Canadian uh, artisanal microbrews, let me tell you, and they were kicking it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, the Canadians really love their things strong. Uh, very strong beer and uh, coffee. The True North coffee at Starbucks. I, I was a blonde roast. So I thought it would be a nice, mellow <laughs> coffee, but it was probably the strongest coffee I've ever had in my life. And so just literally, you know, strip the enamel right off my teeth. I also got a chance to visit the Mecca, the yeah. Beguiling. It is a, an absolutely amazing monument to comic books. Um, uh, a little seedy around the edges, but that just makes it more dear to us. I think it was a little frayed, is yeah, really the word, because it is like a museum. It's, it's oh. kind of like the Citizen Kane, you know, info dump of. It's of a comics. museum of alternative culture. It is a, uh, a a real monument. I really felt privileged to be there. It is stacked cheek by jowl. Floor to ceiling with every manner of comic book graphic novel you can think of. Uh, really uh, terrific. Really terrific, yeah. I, I believe me. Yeah, but even better, really the revelation of TCAF. Now, I've been every year for about four years and uh, you know loved it just as much as Calvin. I knew everybody would love it. But uh, the new wrinkle this year was what had been billed as a pop-up shop mm-hmm. yes. for TCAF in the library itself. Now, TCAF is all of the Toronto Reference Library, which is the largest oh. library, you know, the major library in Toronto. Six floors, you know, Guggenheim kind of layout. It takes up a full like, city block. Yes, it's a full block. It's a beautiful state-of-the-art building. They just put a new auditorium in. And so uh, it had been announced that TCAF had a pop-up shop in the store. And, you know, this sounded like probably a, a few little shelves of comics or something. Yeah. But that is not what it was. <laughs> no. No, it was. it's a state-of-the-art retail outlet. I mean, it's as glittery as any gift shop you would walk into in a museum in New York City. I mean, yeah. it's – but the merchandise is uh, row after row of frontless – 
graphic novels, merchandise that's attached to pop culture and comics of all kinds in a beautiful, thoughtful layout. Um, the display is impeccable. I mean, it is in some ways the exact opposite of the actual beguiling well, store. It is, it is. And and, and I, I talked to Chris while I was there. I got there on Thursday, and uh, actually Chris Butcher, who runs the store, it's his brainchild, came out, and uh, we chatted for a bit. And, uh, you know, he bases it on uh, the great graphic novel stores of Paris, uh-huh. where... Um, which I haven't been to in about 15 years. But, you know, when you go, basically they have a floor full of graphic novels and albums, and then they have all this unbelievably cool merchandise, uh, you know, for great characters like Corto Maltese and Tintin sure. and Tituf and everything. But uh, the what really blew me away about the TCAF pop-up show, it's called Page and Panel. Page and Panel. Page and Panel, mm-hmm. is that they had the best of the merchandising. Oh. They had, like... Uh, beautifully, just impeccably curated. Like they had Tapatico merchandise, yeah. like like mm-hmm. uh, a whole mm-hmm. bunch of Kate Beaton, mm-hmm. uh, Kate Beaton tote bags, Kate Beaton mugs. You know, with her little pony character. There was one little shelf just for Mayako Ano with like yes. her her books with mm-hmm. like again like things specially imported from Japan. Uh, like they had some tea towels. I just couldn't resist buying one of those because you just mm. don't find. I mean, I'd never seen most of this mm. stuff. Uh, you know, Anne Ishii's uh, massive had mm. its own little shelf of mm-hmm. like t-shirts, sweatshirts. Um, I-, I saw a guy. I mean, those things aren't cheap. No, I no. saw a guy come in there, and I'm sure he was completely straight. He he must well, have had four <laughs> or five of these things. You know, completely is an interesting word. Well, that's true. <laughs> oh, you know, well, you know, maybe straight not, a couple of days a week not, and not so straight the rest of the week. Make, be, make that's no, I'm making pres- presumptions. Yeah. But let me tell you, he grabbed Bears, up a Calvin, pile of those things. Bears. I mean, there had to be $200 worth uh, of merchandise yeah. in his arms and, waiting on Well, I could have spent $200 in about five minutes there. Oh, and, uh, easily. I, I mean, if I needed more mugs and I need more stuff. And, yes. and, and also just like, again, impeccably curated. And, and because Ca- Canada is uh, Canadia? Canadia is uh, dual <laughs> bilingual with French. They had this impeccable yeah. I- like line of French comics. Yes. Like, oh, he's caused by Boulet, the great web cartoonier. And uh, I mean, we just everybody who went to the store just their jaws dropped. Yeah. And I and I said to Chris, I said, you know, you've been so modest in calling it a pop up, and he was just like, well, I didn't want to get people's hopes up for it, and. <laughs> So well, um, you know, I talked a little with with Peter Berkamo about mm-hmm. that. The uh, but and and we should also mention that uh, you know, TCAF itself is really an amazing uh, collaboration between the Beguiling and uh, the Toronto Reference right, Library to right. make this happen. And this store is no different. It's re- it's being run by the Beguiling, but it's actually owned by TCAF mm-hmm. and staffed by Beguiling staff. Right. right I mean, so right. it's an interesting. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, doesn't the Beguiling do actually most of the collection building for the at the library's actual graphic novel collection? Well, probably, I'm sure. Because I think that came out in that panel that yeah. you did with um, uh, a couple years ago yeah. at the um, at Comic Con. Right, right, right. But uh, I mean, I mean, we're we're just cavelling about this store. But believe me, we could do it about the entire yeah. show. This yeah. the atrium alone uh, in this <laughs> library. Uh, it's breathtaking, and to see thousands of people looking at comics um, for, when you're on the upper levels down, it's pretty inspirational. Uh, you know, the, it is. And the, the fact that the show is curated, it's very closely curated because they just don't they don't have enough room. But, I mean, this year they added one kind of area for exhibitors, and uh, they had moved some people out of the smaller room 
to uh, have panels at a new area that they were allowed to use the library. And so people could move around quite a bit. But, I mean, if you look at the lineup of cartoonists that was there, and, you know, I looked, and there's barely even a list on the website. I mean, they kind of did do this little see their pants. It's my one, my, you know, one yeah. possible complaint. But, I mean, you know, whether it was Japan, they had Gengora Tagame, the great, you know, oh, yeah. uh, the great bear dog, Bara, uh, erotica artist. Uh, Ayano, 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 who was Ayano, on my Ayano. panel. Um, oh, you did about Gurahiro. three panels yourself. Yeah, Gorohiro was there. Best yes, the, yes. Uh, you know, Ken Nimura. I mean, that's uh, just Japan. I mean, uh, Matodi was there. Uh, the great oh, yes, Lorenzo Matodi was and there. And he had, uh, you know, a display. You know, Drawn Quarterly, which we'll touch on a little bit yes. more in a minute, but they had, were celebrating their 25th anniversary. So, you know, Seth, Adrian Tomine, Linda Barry, uh, Jillian Tamaki, Kate Beaton, Michael LaForge, uh, Chester Brown, and I mean, they had 17 cartoonists there. Yes. I'm literally just scratched the surface, yeah. and you know, Jeanette LaPaul, uh, just incredible. I mean, that is just they're on a quarterly, yes, you know. Yeah. I mean, you just smaller tables, you know, just the, the level of, of, of creativity that was there was just unbelievable. You know, Ethan Riley. Ethan Riley, Pope Hats. Pope Hats. That guy is Catherine, so talented, it's scary. Uh, you know, Catherine and Stuart Eminen were there. Uh, Jim Zub, Zub was there. Uh, I mean, I'm just, you know, Adam Warren, who does yeah, Empowered, yeah. was there. Yeah. I mean, these, Hunt uh, Emerson was there. I it just, you can't see more great cartoonists yeah. in a small spot. And then, you know, I just got on the elevator one time and somebody was on there and it's like, oh, Heidi, you must meet Kellefer, you know, who's a member of La Sociaison, one of the great oh, yeah, experimental yeah. French cartoonists and never seen him. I mean, you know, and I only got to see him on the elevator. So, <laughs> oh, and also from France, Etienne Davido, Penelope Bajou, uh, yes, Boulet, yes. Boulet was there. I mean, yes. this is just world class. You just really, it was really it was uh, overwhelming. quite, quite it was a weekend. It was just overwhelming. It sounds and, kind of like comics Narnia or it something. Was, it was and, comics and like, Narnia. We have, to, we have to set the scene here because, you know, the, the, the Toronto comics Reference Narnia. Library is basically, a you know, around the corner from the massive Marriott Hotel, which is basically the headquarters hotel for the convention, where, I mean, everything seems to be within two or three block I, walk. Yeah, and the the programming is at a, a, a bar called The Pilot that's yeah. just around the corner. Now, I did have, my show was a little bit curtailed by the fact that I had a lot of panels to do. So I had four panels to do, so I wasn't really able to do the, see the show at all on, on Sunday. And three of them were at different venues, but there was a fifth. Like, one was at the hotel, one was at the pilot, and then the last one was at the library. I had a 15-minute break between mm. each panel. I was a little worried. But you know what? I did it. Yeah. I did it just fine. I just zipped out, you know? I mean, I didn't have time to go to coffee, but that's okay. I'd cast <laughs> up in the morning. And, uh, you know, it was doable. And, the, you know, the social scene there. I mean, the thing that we're saying about all these incredible cartoonists is that, uh, you know, then you go out at night and you go to one of these parties and they're all there. <laughs> and yeah. They're just hanging out and, and it's know, all mellow. You know, we, I had a mellow. great time at the closing party. Yes. Closing <laughs> it was really party. fabulous. Just, and we were, you know, they had an awful, terrible DJ. Yeah. But you know what? I danced anyway. <laughs> and then they had, but you know, they had two other quiet rooms there that weren't yeah. really all yeah. that quiet. But you know what? Like you, you, you know, I mean, there was a space for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. I also was there. Chip Zdarsky, Cameron Stewart, yes, Babs yeah. Tarr, Brendan Fletcher. Yeah. And if I um, may, I'd love to just say, Andy just to Bellinger. put in a, a plug, because uh, I had a, I had a, pan, I had two panels. Um, I moderated one. One of them was making comics history, and it was really a delightful group of women, uh, including the translator Jocelyn Allen, who was translating for Ayakano. Mm-hmm. 
Kano Sensei, uh, who um, uh, was there to discuss um, uh, Requiem of a Rose Queen. Uh, and I had Megs Fitzgerald photo booth, a biography, which won the Doug Wright mm. uh, Spotlight Award on uh, Saturday night, where I unfortunately missed those awards, which I won't next year. No, you won't, because uh, it was so It delightful. sounded like it was a great. Uh, Sydney Padua, who is I, an absolute delight and should be declared a national treasure by both Canada See, and Britain. I didn't even get to meet her. So she is fun. an amazing woman who can make uh, higher mathematics, uh, economic theory, and engineering absolutely painless and enjoyable to read. And we had a great discussion. And then I was on a panel with um, uh, with Marguerite Van Cook and James Romberger, who were just discussing her... Well, we weren't discussing. We were discussing comics reputation and, and a, a representation and how the notion of what comics can do is constantly expanding. So, And also Andrew Lesk, a professor from the University of Toronto, and Josh Simmons, uh, uh, who uh, is an artist of rather amazing imagery. Uh, his Black River just came out, or will be just coming out from Fantagraphics. So, uh, I mean, that's just a tiny section oh of the Oh, my program. God. I, you know, I, I could just sit here reading the characters who were there and just, like, pff, it, it was it was mind-boggling. Yeah. And, but, <clears throat> and all just all props to Chris Butcher, who really is the mastermind behind yes. the show. But he's aided by Peter Bercamo and by Gina Gagliano. Who yes, who was also doing the program. And yeah. uh, the, now someone whose last name I can't remember, Miles, I think it's Miles. Uh, Miles Baker. Miles who's Baker. Who's the uh, managing director of TCAF. Yes, and... Uh, you know, I think the only thing that is, uh, I mean, I th- I know they purposely want to keep the show like within reason, and because it just seems like it could be, you know, a I think, runaway train. I, I, you know what? I, that place is so big. They really, frankly, in my opinion, use a fraction of the space there. I think they could make it because they added a whole section on gaming mm-hmm. that took up one large back area. I, I think they could enlarge that space. That show mm-hmm. little by little each year. No, no, Kevin, you met the the guy, the contact from the library, right? I met him very briefly okay. as we were leaving, yeah. so I just met him really and uh, just said, "Awesome." <laughs> yeah, but well, I'm I'm thrilled that Calvin was bitten by the bug oh, because it's... I have been going. This is my fourth year. Uh, I wouldn't miss it. Uh, you know, I also I have to be just a shout out. You know, I have the best roommate. I go, I stay with Deb Aoki, who writes for us all the time, and she is the best possible expert on food and snacks that you could possibly have when I come into the room. It was full of ketchup chips, pickle chips, and something called roulette chips. Have you heard about these roulette chips? Yeah, I heard I about them not, after I got there. but it sounds disturbing. Okay, it's a bag of chips, and it says, warning, some of these chips are way hotter than the others. So you eat the ch- I guess it's a drinking game of some yeah, kind. Yeah, I think so. But yeah. uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, anyway, you know, one having quick Deb thing as we a, should, yeah. I don't think we mentioned the D&Q No, we haven't. Course, but anyway, so. so not only was this a great show, but there was also a a buzz. A big buzz. There was a big buzz. Uh, kind of a, a major change. Kind of a, a demarcation uh, from one era to the next. Um, Chris Oliveros, founding and pioneering uh, uh, publisher of Drawing Quarterly, is stepping down to make graphic novels. Yeah. And uh, his associate director, a, 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 an old, long old friend of ours, Peggy Burns, will be the new publisher. And her husband, Tom Devlin, will be executive editor. Right. So... 
Uh, yeah, and changing and of the guard, changing of the guard, as they called it. And Chris will still be involved, but uh, yes. he yeah. will come in as much as you know. I think he's going to be called contributing editor. Yeah, and to to break up disputes between <laughs> yes, Tom and Peggy. Yeah, yeah, probably. And uh, you know, but he wants to draw, and he he said he actually already has his first yeah. graphic novel. And he's uh, self-publishing it apparently. No, oh really? I thought my understanding was he was self-publishing it, and he did, because he did not want to be. Oh. He didn't want any help from it. You know, he didn't oh, want. To, he really? wanted to. I may be wrong, but I I I think that was in the uh, was that the cooling. What was the Globe story? There was a big story ah, basically yes. that broke on Friday as right. we all got there. Uh, or as I got there, mm-hmm. so yeah. I actually didn't know a lot of these I details didn't until have time later. To read it. That was the one thing. There was a couple things that were were a little annoying about the show. One of them was that the Wi-Fi was so awful everywhere. Because the Wi-Fi was useless, but useless because yeah. everybody was on it. Yeah. And uh, the other was that there was a heat wave, and a it couple was. of the rooms. One of the rooms got so hot that people were having asthma attacks. So they had to move them out. And the other became very smelly, hot <laughs> it was, and smelly. It was a room and I, I was asked at one point, "Where is such and such publisher?" And I was told, "In the stink room." <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I actually saw on Twitter that that it they had in called there. it the stink room. Like the stink room definitely is what it was being called. Well, there you so. go. There you go. Well, there's a lot of countercultural types jammed well, in the I, one room. I wouldn't even blame them. It just it really was hot. I mean, it was like 80 degrees, which for Canada is super hot, and like and the AC. Yeah, it was. It was and the AC in the library wasn't – it was like the first time. And then if you stick a whole bunch of people right next to each other in yes. 80 degrees, that's what does it. Yeah. I mean – people it, generate heat too. Yes, exactly. I mean it's just, you know, a lot of things when heated smell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not smelling what it's called. So. That's right. Anyway, but, uh, that's anyway, enough of that. Yeah. Uh, Other than the stink room. Great stuff. I got a comic amazing. from Jordan Crane. Um, I hung out at Youth in Decline with the hottest cartoonist on the planet – Jillian Tamaki and her publisher Ryan Sands. Uh, um, I mean, uh, I got to shoot the breeze with Tina Coleman, who uh, was a guest on our podcast. The superstar li- comics loving librarian. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't really ask for a better. Um, was it three days, four no. nights, three and a half no. days of and comics? And you didn't even go to the library conference. You have. I, I know, and I got in. Li- you have so much more to see. It's so. like as wonderful as it was. You haven't even seen all the wonderfulness. I'll be back. You haven't even seen it. So, I'll be back. Yeah, it's it's all good. All right, so, we have yeah. to talk about something else. Okay, yes. well, let's talk about Archie. And all the fact right, that Archie has decided to do a relaunch. Don't worry, your regular Archie will be there too. Um, funded through Kickstarter, they are trying to raise three hundred and fifty thousand dollars on Kickstarter for an updated, realistic take on Riverdale. Uh, as a follow-up to the Mark Wade Fiona Staples Archie book, which will be coming out later this year. Um, they want a Betty and Veronica comic by Adam Hughes, a Jughead series by Chip Zdarsky, and a Life with Kevin comic by the usual Life with Kevin writer Dan Parent and inked by Jay Bone. Yeah. Uh, well, that well, sounds look, simple, but... But, but apparently it's not quite as simple as it sounds. Yeah. Well, first off... I don't know if you mentioned the amount of money they needed. Yes, but it was three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yes, I mean, and then people began to question why does Archie Comics, a seemingly well-funded mm. publishing company yes. that just has you know media ties, has options and stuff <clears throat> to make things, sure. and, and actually has has probably been one of the most uh, aggressively innovative 
old school publishing houses uh, over the last 10 years. Yeah. Uh, I, I, to give John Goldwater some credit, uh, I think Archie's been one of the most far Absolutely. visionary oh, yeah. um, uh, companies, uh, old school companies, in you know aggressively transforming themselves right. for a new audience. And one of the reasons they're able to do that is because they have this backlog of, of material that is really classic. And, you know, again, if you listen to the last podcast we did, I talked to Dr. Bart Beatty about uh, his new book, 12 Set Archie. Yes, oh, and he, yes. Yeah. And he talked about the timelessness of ease. Yes. He talked about how people respond Beloved to characters. Yes, and, and if you talk to anyone about comic books, when they don't read comics, you ask them, they will, like, I'd say like 60% of the people are like, oh, yeah, well, I read some Archies. You know, it's like I think it's higher than 60. They, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's more like 80%. <laughs> Easily. Really. Like, very like, rare. Have you been to a sleepover as a 12-year-old? You've probably you read know, Archie. Right, right, you right. know Archie. Right. And so, okay, so you have this, and now you're launching a new line that is more targeted at the, you know, the comic shop audience and everything like that. But, you know, I think for the minute it started, people were asking questions. And, and, well, and, I was asking some questions. Yes. And did you see what Archie publisher John Goldwater answered to these, some of these questions? I did not. <laughs> well, Calvin, you, you Well, I mean, and I've, I've, you know, I, I've seen various replies. Now, one of the things that seems to be coming out is that, you know, there's some mention of, of marketing to Walmart. And that seemed to drive people completely that down the bin. That sort of really annoyed people. Yeah. Because basically he came out and he said... We have the reason why we're doing this Kickstarter is we need to raise a lot of money fast mm. so that we can print these comics and get Adam Hughes to draw yes. a monthly comic. <coughs> Never. <coughs> and uh, yeah, I don't even think he did. It. I think he, he just did covers now. Well, that's <laughs> one on. mystery. Uh, and uh, we need to get this money because we have an awesome deal in place with Walmart and Target, and yeah. we need to get. We can't let it pass us by, so we need a whole line of comics. That's like, you know. Have you heard of a thing called a loan? Yeah. Like, if you're a business and you, like Archie, uh, I'm, you know, I mean, I, I know that you don't want to pay the interest on a loan or something like that, but maybe you can get, you know, I mean, you're a businessman, you know, why are you doing Kickstarter telling the fans they have to support this? Well, I, I think... I, well, I, you know, I don't have a problem... Like Kate, Kate, Kate. Oh, sorry, Kate, excuse me. Hey, so what I was going to say is... I sort of kind of, well, first when I was hearing about this, like, oh, new look Archie, I was kind of like, would anybody buy that? And some part of me wonders whether the people at Archie Comics are wondering, would anybody buy that? Mm. And if maybe they don't want to risk their own $350,000, and so they figure that if it's meant to be, the fans will be, like, kickstartering it, and if it's not meant to be, then the money won't come. Um, that it's sort of maybe testing the waters for something a little more risky than their classic look. But the thing is, I feel like fans who use Kickstarter are, are going to be reluctant mm-hmm. because it's one thing to put your money up there for something that won't exist otherwise and is going to be groundbreaking. And it's another thing to be like, new look Archie. Okay, I should throw some bucks that way. Why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, well, I mean, I, I'll say this. I mean, it's probably not a bad idea. To, they, have, they have launched so many new takes on Archie over the last five years, and they've been wildly successful. I don't have any doubt that these new ones will be, too. Well, now, what, what I don't understand is the size, the amount of money that they are that they are kickstarting. Uh, the notion also that you're trying to fund it to put these into a very specific retail outlet yeah. uh, when you have retailers who are going to be looking at you and saying, well, what about me? Uh, 
And I really think that with, when, a, when a giant for-profit company like, well, they're not a giant company, but the fact is they're a smart independent and they've used their, their, and they've used their brand really well. They have well. money. Yes. And, they, what they, and they certainly, I don't believe that they don't have the money to launch. In fact, they've actually admitted it, that they're gonna, the comics are going to come out whether the, the Kickstarter is well, you know, successful anyway. Well, I would, I would, you know, I have a question. You just said they were wildly successful. How do you define wildly successful? Well, I, I'm, you know what, I'm, de- I'm defining terms. it by... Uh, what they've told me in various interviews, uh, how their book sales have gone up, uh, particularly in the book market, have gone up over the last five years, uh, and also the popular media reception and, and, and overall internet reception to the, the, the horror series, um, the Archie Marys, uh, I, they have never, in my view, and going to the Archie panels at Comic-Con, which are in mammoth halls and invariably jammed with people mm-hmm. so in my view they have brought this brand back to life in well a they way. definitely have and i but i think if you know i think it's kind of a little relative i mean archie also has um you know we could spend hours here speculating over the the how archie's comics is run because it is you know privately owned yes. and but you know they have still some racks in the front of the supermarkets mm-hmm. they have these very very time-honored and yeah. very very expensive racks space that they have yeah. been renting for years and years and years, you know, even as newsstand dwindles. I mean, that's just a fact. I mean, you know, public newsstand is, is dwindling and and uh, you know, moving to the direct sales market with these this line is and or or Walmart and Target. You know, it's either direct sales or Walmart. I mean mm-hmm. there really is no nothing in between. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I get what they were trying for, and yet it seems to have raised more questions than it answers. Uh, it's a little tone deaf. I, it almost feels like they're like, hey, all these people are getting buzzed with Kickstarter. Kickstarter is the hot new thing. We're into the hot new thing. Let's do a Kickstarter. No. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think if they had did a program, if they had come and said, you know, we'd like to raise, you know, you know $50,000 for each of the look at these titles to, to do marketing Adam Hughes sketch yeah, yeah well you know, well to do do marketing and promotion and 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 make sure people know about this um I think maybe nobody would have said a word, but I think this whole notion that they're trying to get into, you know, Walmart, I just don't think that you you need to be doing Kickstarters to privilege one retail category over another. I think if you have the wherewithal to rack your products in Walmart, you probably don't need to crowdsource things. But that's yeah. just me. There you in the go. future, and, and you will have to do there that. There you go. Can, can we talk about, just for a second, I mean literally just for a really short period of time, Adam Hughes on Betty and Veronica? <laughs> no, you know what, what, Kate? Thank you. Because when I saw that, I said, oh boy, wait till, <laughs> I did too. Wait till tomorrow morning when everyone who's on and on and on about all this Milo Manera, Frank Cho stuff, wait till they get a load of this. And, and yet... Like crickets. Well, I think it's because the actual cover that's been shown is very G-rated. Yeah. It's just them yeah. standing there and being like, hey, we're girls. Although, interestingly enough, they look about 35. Yeah. They and do. not they much like the characters they don't look teenage at all. at all. They look teenagers um, at all. You know, so, I mean, I kind of feel like if ever there was a publisher that you wouldn't need to worry about letting Adam Hughes get out of hand, it would be Archie. But... And I, I mean, it's just, it did feel like a little tone what, deaf. But you know what? Like, and the other thing about it, besides the fact that Adam Hughes has been given many monthly books, and the only one he's turned in for about 15 years <laughs> was uh, Before Watchmen. That's okay, my so understanding, he, too, is that yes, he doesn't like he doesn't deliver. Do it. But he just know, discovers. You know, I, I agree with you that the actual covers were were 
you know, relatively inoffensive. And I look, Adam Hughes is an amazing, I love, amazing I, I, artist. The truth, I love, truth in advertising, yeah. I like Adam yeah. Hughes' and art. I, you know, I, he's done, I don't expect everybody right. to no. like it. And he's done some amazingly stunning covers, yes. innovative, yes. like his Catwoman covers are beautiful. I have no problem with that, okay? Yeah. However, you know, isn't this, if there ever was an artist who exemplified the male gaze. <laughs> then it's, Adam Hughes. it's Adam Hughes, and no doubt. I, you know, so this Make comic, no mistake. You know, and I mean, I, I, I brought this up to a couple people. They were like, well, haven't Betty and Veronica always been the male gaze? And I'm like, you're talking, hello, you're talking about this book that has sold to girls for yep. a million years. So you're not selling it. You're Now you really have taken something away from women that was provably and given it to male comic Well, I will shop. say this. I do think it's, I'm sorry, go ahead, Kate. Okay, I was going to say that like, Betty and Veronica are are used in a male gazy way in Archie, and then in Betty and Veronica get their own book to do right. their own thing. That was always the point of Betty and Veronica. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, uh, it will not turn into just a cheesecake fest. But if it does, well, whatever. I guess I, that's what I, they're gonna do. I'll tell you something. If this book ever comes out, I will eat my well, Betty that's and right. Veronica. Well, I will say this. I, I and I admit my I'm more interested in having competing representations than, nec- than necessarily having some single solitary yeah, representation. I agree. Oh, yeah. I agree. I mean, I I don't for a moment think that Adam Hughes's version of Betty and Veronica is going to be replicated throughout the entire no. Archer universe. No, it's, but we've no, already no. seen that they've done a, a wide variety of new more adult, more realistic versions of Betty and Veronica, and they're always pretty girls. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, not going to yeah. change. No, yes. no, that's... It's you not, know. It's not so much that they're pretty. Like, they're pretty. That's awesome. That's part yeah. of their characterization, in fact. But they're babes, too. They're yeah. supposed to be very yeah. attractive girls. But I think it's just that, like, the style with yeah, which sure. he attract he does attractive women tends to be... No doubt. More pin-up-y. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. And you know. I, and I mean, like I, like I said, I mean, you're just saying with this book that it's going to be a pin-up book based on Betty it and Veronica, is. which is okay. But, you know, I... I, I you might not want to call it Betty and Veronica right, then. Well, I, 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 Kate, I don't know if you've seen... Have you seen the Gem and the Holograms trailer? I have not. Have you heard about it? I've been hearing people talk about it. I have heard about, about it. it. Okay, I've... but you heard about... Like, so basically, you know, when they announced this Gem and the Holograms based on the comic shop, or the com- uh, excuse me, the TV show and the toys, everybody was like, rah, rah, because the comics, Jem has these superpowers. Yeah, it's awesome. Hologram. Yes, and, and now... And in the comics, she does too. Yes, and in the movie, it's basically a remake of Hannah Montana. And <laughs> wait, wait, perfect. wait, is it, is it... Are they redoing freaking Josie and the Pussycats live action movie complete with... Well, no, because Josie and the Pussycats at least had a little bit of a caper to it. This movie is entirely about a small girl, town girl, who wants to be in a band, and she gets to be really famous, and then she has to fight with her parents. And I think there's one, one, one point where she looks up and she's like, I really want to do this. And, you know, like, this is my dream. I mean, it's an aspirational Hannah Montana well, story. Well, I mean, I, and, then, and then it says, from the studio that brought you Pitch Perfect. So, anyway, oh, well, my I mean, God. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to have, like, a girls in a rock band movie. Like, A-plus girls in a rock band movie. I do wonder why they took out anything to do with holograms, right, right. given that it's Jim <laughs> and the holograms. Well, I guess they're going to make more Bratz-type toys about it or something. Well, I mean, they always made toys <laughs> oh, about Jim and the holograms. Lucky us. Problematic. Uh, but the, I mean, well, there are plenty of things that are more problematic right. to my mind. But anyway, yes. but All the right, comic's awesome. Yeah, we're probably going to move on here. We have a plug for the Gem and the Holograms comic coming yeah. out yes. right now at a comic book store near you. It is great for all ages and really, really cool. Yes, and it's written yeah. by Kelly Thompson, a sometime 
uh, uh, PW contributors. And so, we're going to keep watch on the Archie story because I think it's a developing story. Mm. Yes, yes, developing. I developing. think it's a developing yes, story. Yes, keep watch. On more to come. Yeah. Hologram. Yeah. So, yeah. well, you know, let's talk about more to come. Uh, uh, you know, Marvel Dare, movies, Marvel and Daredevil, Marvel okay. Entertainment. Well, this could be a whole topic of a one-hour podcast. <laughs> this could, all this could go all the way to the next hour, but yeah. Let's, yeah. So we're going to well, try to keep it short sure. because we promised we'd talk about Daredevil. Yeah, and, and I've seen it all the way through. Oh, so I can't Calvin, keep up with these two. I've seen the episodes. first three episodes. Okay, I, I have seen the first three episodes, and I'm having trouble getting further than that. Oh, okay. see, I love it. I right. love the show, I, and actually think it's really great. I loved it. I I thought it was well made. I'm just having trouble emotionally investing in it because it just seems to be a long list of terrible things happening to people in dark rooms. It's a re- Well, I wouldn't disagree with no. that. And <laughs> I'm like, but I don't actually care about any of them. I'm trying really hard to. I'm like, there's like, a, it's like five minutes of like cute, hey, we're starting a law firm banter. And then after that, things just kind of get a little creepy. Uh, even with the Wait. parts... Wait till you get to episode seven. Uh, ha, ha. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, I haven't got that far, but I, I mean, look, it's a violent show. It's I will say that there. It's dark. Violent. It's gritty. And, uh, but you know, I kind of like it. <laughs> I, I think I'm not saying it's not well made, but I think um, first off, they're taking dark super literally. Oh, without a doubt, it's like, dark. Somebody needs <laughs> to mail them a bag of turn light bulbs. The light on, yeah, because no. we. There's something called a blue filter, guys. We need to be able to actually see what's going on in the show, and it would really help if you turned up the lights just or, a little bit. Or get, you know, our TV. You know, we have a really good Samsung TV at our house. It looked fine. I no, no complaints. <laughs> looks great to me, too, I have so, to admit. So. I mean, it's dark, but I, to me, it, look, it looks just fine. Settings there. But, um, you know, listen, I, this, to me, was a triumph for Marvel. And, you know, I'm, we're so sick of them doing so well. We just want them to fail. But, <laughs> but, I, but I, not I don't want them to I fail. I don't want them to fail. But, I mean, you know, everybody's like, waiting for them and this was a radical departure from other parts of the MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe in that it is super R-rated I mean super in terms of violence I mean there are some things where even my husband was looking away and uh, the fights are the style of the raid raid 2 I mean and they did one fight at the end of the second episode that was a complete two minute take of yeah. fighting you know I mean it's, it's the direction is very much of uh, the standard that you'd expect from uh, television here in the golden age, you know, with action shows mm-hmm. like, um, you know, Walking Dead and Breaking Bad and so on and so forth. Uh, the writing, I think, is really strong. Yeah. The acting I is, think it's is very good. great. Uh, you know, I mean, you knew the villain was going to be great when it was yeah. uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. And guess what? He's great. Uh, I like Charlie mm-hmm. Cox. Uh, and it tells a really strong story. There are tour. If you guys ever get to the end of it, you will find there are a few episodes that are treading water where... Karen and Foggy kind of sit around and talk about what just happened. Nah. Um, but in general, I, I really, you know, completely change a tone. And yet every once in a while, there's this one scene where they like hold up a newspaper and it says attack on New York, tying into yes. the events of Avengers. Yes. In fact, and, isn't there some some and, dialogue in there about how their, their, their offices are just off the part of Manhattan that was devastated yes, by the, yes. the, the first fight in yes. the first Avengers yeah, In movie. the first episode, they're like, yeah. hey, the, the, ne- the building next got, door got destroyed, and that's why this office yeah. is so cheap. Also, uh, very Frank Millerian. Yeah. Very Frank. I mean, this is the Frank Miller MCU. Yeah. And yeah, for yeah, better and yeah. for worse, and they did it really well. Yeah. In my even opinion. the but costume, I understand his there's, yeah. his is like dates to one of those really mm. early ones. It's yeah, ninja yeah. A looking bit, suit, a little bit. But uh, yeah. but anyway, you would uh, you know I could see though I could see it not being for everyone. So. I mean, I, I'm not saying I hate. I'm just sort of like 
trying well for one thing i don't really care one way or another about fights like i don't hate them i don't love them i'm like ah, eh, they're there to move along the plot mm. so i was just sort of like yeah yeah fights back to the plot but then whenever i get to the plot the plot would be like some shadowy dudes are menacing some people these people these people are sad did you mm-hmm. know these people are sad look at them bleed mm-hmm. and uh and oh daredevil's angsting some more and i was like eh. well you know one thing i i, I I do like about this, and maybe this is because I'm like old, uh, okay. fogey superhero fan, is that the the concerns of this hero are kind of grounded. Now, obviously, this may turn into some big international, you know, illegal invasion thing at some road, point down the road, um, because that seems to be all things superheroes deal with anymore. But, but I, you know, I kind of like it that he's like basically fighting guys on the ground, thugs and criminals. And it's vigilante justice. It's not. It's not you know, a, 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 some a super powered megaton man taking on you know evil forces from you know the far reaches right. of the oh, universe. Yeah. I, I like ground and level saving su- the world. He's I, just trying to save his own ass right yeah, now. I like ground level superheroing. Yes, and I'm glad they're putting in some ground level superheroing. This particular take on it, I'm not connecting with. Yeah. but I can see that it's well made. And I think that's a good way to segue. To Age of Ultron, yes, because well, yes. I think from myself, I'm I think I may have hit superhero uh, blockbuster superhero anyway fatigue. Uh, you know what? They're all the same movie. I'm I, and I and I and there's nothing wrong with Age of Ultron. I think the characters are well. I think the dialogue is okay. Uh, there's you know there's some chemistry. You can decide for yourself about the romance. But you know what? This movie. Is the same movie I've seen. They're all the same. Well, I think the thing that makes them usually different is that if you can, if there's enough screen time for the important characters, is the characterization bits and the interaction and and all the 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 personal bit that drives the rest. Yeah, I but know. It's, there's, there's but, some of that there too. Yeah, but from what I've well, okay, you haven't seen it. I so haven't you know, seen. You I'm just. I'm yeah. just. I'm. I'm. Yeah. Sure. Okay, I'm going to explain my perspective. <laughs> yeah. That that as I and my usual comic book movie compatriots, who, by the way, saw Avengers about three times each, mm. all of us, individually. And, you know, typically for our Marvel movie that's coming out free comic book day weekend, we, like, plan that two weeks ahead of time. We are so there. And as we saw the trailers, it's kind of like, do we want to go? Eh. And then when they were hearing people we knew in Europe reporting back going, eh, it wasn't terrible. We kind of went, mm. so I actually haven't gotten around to seeing it. I've just basically, I, I read the interview of Joss Whedon on the subject, and um, vast quantities of fan discussion from everybody I knew <laughs> who actually bothered to see it. You know, the general response was, well, none of us hated it. And I was just like, is this what we've come to? None of us hated it? Uh, I think it is what we've come to. I think, I think when you saw Joss Whedon on his doing the junket, the guy was exhausted, you know? And the guy literally can't wait until his contract with Disney to be up. And he was really dishing left, right, and center, you know? I mean, he wasn't particularly hiding how he felt about things uh, because his contract is up. He didn't sound like a guy who was really going to re-up with the MCU. Mm. And I mean... Yeah, I, I, I called it the Avengers Ultron experience because you went in and you sat down and all these things happened for two and a half hours. It was like going to a theme park. Some of them were really awesomely cool. Some of them were just, you know, there to get your money, like a very expensive bowl of soup in a, a bread bowl, you know, like yeah. you get at Disneyland. 
And uh, it was not a movie at all. It was an experience, however. And, uh, you know, I, Avengers, I've, I've only ever seen Avengers once. I saw it under horrible circumstances, and I, I, so I, did, I had never revisited it. And, you know, I, I think I did enjoy it more. I will say they did some nice things with the characterization where because Tony Stark, Thor, and Captain America have their own films, they really uh, concentrated on Black Widow, Hawkeye, and the Hulk, and all these new characters, mm-hmm. uh, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Ultron, uh, and the Vision, and blah, 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 blah. And it just, it just, I think what your friends, I, I'm amazed to hear the, your reaction to this, Kate, because it's just like people going so meh about this movie is is so telling to, to that we're, we're done. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy broke the mold, although it got back to it at the end of the movie. But people are a little tired of this same tone over well, and over think, and over again. I think it's that you, it's because we got so much of it, you have to do a good version of yes. it. You can't just make any old boom superhero movie, like everything, ha- you know, all the, the formula parts, and not do something to make it feel special and still have people love it. Right. They but may you, go, they mm-hmm. may spend the money, but to get a response other than, eh. You but you know, this movie is not going to be considered it. a failure. Oh, it's not. No, it's, a difference well, between a, it's one of the highest grossing films of all I'm, time. I'm not isn't saying it? it's a failure. I'm just saying <laughs> that it is not beloved, and that can be a problem going forward. Getting people to continue and to put also, butts in seats. Yes, because a lot of people were like, "Oh, this was busy," or "That was busy," and then the apologists for the film were saying, "Well, you know, look, it had to set up a lot of things for Avengers: Infinity War, which is a two-part movie coming <laughs> in three years." I'm like, like, "So you're telling me we waited three years to have the setup for another movie that we're going to have to wait three years for? Well, you know, and that's then when what we get there, to. it's going to be a setup for you know MCU Part Four and." You know, I, I yeah, they say, each have to stand on and, their own. Until one of these movies fails, and I and I and I don't mean by fail, but fail by outgrossing every other movie except right. one. Well, <laughs> it's, it's going to have to flunk. Well, we we need to. They're, yes. they're going to keep but, coming. But I'll tell you this: everybody thought <clears throat> Avengers: Age of Ultron would beat Avengers. Okay, that was the hopes, and the fact that it hasn't beaten it. You know, first they were blaming the the you know Mayweather Pacquiao fight, mm. and now. Uh, everybody's saying it's tracking to be number three next week. Uh, you know, it beat this one movie that was pretty weak. But, but uh, I mean, I, you're right. It's definitely not a failure. But I think that there is genuine surprise that it did not surpass yeah. Avengers. Well, I think I think the MCU people are ambitious enough that just not being a failure is not enough to stop them from looking at something and going, I, how I, can we do better? I think you're I right. Think Here's the problem. No, I th- go on, go on. I think there's a possibility... Hey, maybe I'm overly hopeful. A possibility that they'll look at it and they'll they'll you know make decisions for the next one based on this to see what worked, what didn't work, we'll, we'll what see. people liked. Now, this is my fear. That what's happened with with this franchise is that, and, and you and you both said it here. You know, we don't think it's uh, it's certainly not a great film. Uh, in some ways, it's not even that enjoyable. On the other hand, it's not bad. But the problem is with these movies have become such forces of cultural recognition. They, they are boxes to check off in your personal fan experience. It becomes very difficult, I think. It's, I mean, one of the things, in some ways, it's the genius of what Marvel has done, is that you, I feel, and, and I'm, not a, I'm not the superhero fan that I was that made me into what I am today. I'm, I, even I feel, and because I have this connection with these characters, the core of the characters... 
I've got to see what they're doing. People want to check yeah. that box. Yeah. Even if, actually, they don't really want to go and see another one of these gigantic blockbuster movies. I think that's something that Marvel has done. It's kind of, actually kind of, and from a marketing well, standpoint, been brilliant. Yes, and they're very smart in this movie mm-hmm. in that, you know, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, and um, Chris Hemsworth, uh, the core group there, you know, everybody who signed up only signed on for a certain number of movies. So eventually they won't be able to make Avengers movies. And so guess what? Oh, let's introduce the Scarlet Witch. Let's introduce the Vision. Let's introduce all these other characters. You know, the Inhumans are coming. And, yeah. And so I, I, I just... It's the Marvel Universe. Yeah, it is the Marvel Universe. <laughs> you know, the one most concerning thing about all this is that Marvel is an incredibly cheap studio. And Joss Whedon alludes to this many times. And, you know, some would say thrifty. Others would say cheap. And, uh, however, this is a known fact. that They're very cheap. Now, and I have heard it said, I've never been able to quite um, back this up, but uh, I've heard, uh, I've, I've never had anything to disprove it either. But it's like, oh, the movies have the same second unit. They have the same special effects unit. And if you look at all the Marvel unit movies, the special effects look exactly the same. The action scenes look exactly the same. And they're very much of a piece. They use a lot of the same people, the same trainers. It's like, you know, they're the same school. I, they're, mm-hmm. they're just, they're very yeah. much the same cloth. That's what helps it have a, a certain homogeneity, which is what we like about the MCU. But eventually, it does get a little tiresome. These movies well, are formulaic. They are extremely formulaic. formulaic. And you can, it's hard not to recognize this. And yes, you know, they personalize a character or two here, or they try to come up with one small thing to, to, you know, to make it more distinctive. But these movies are all the same. A bunch of people get together, they're going to blow up the world, only these guys can save them, and then they fight off swarms of things at the end, and somehow or other, the next movie gets made. Well, I think, I think the problem, this is, okay, one thing that this reminds me of is the sort of superhero decadence era of, of Marvel uh, specifically Marvel Avengers in the 80s and 90s, where they packed literally so many Avengers characters onto a page, there was no room for anything, but the characters just sort of in poses there. Mm-hmm. And it was almost unreadable, I know, because I tried to read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's why Avengers weren't very big for a while until they got brought back uh, in the 2000s, in the late, late 90s. Um, and this kind of feels like that. Like the things that you put in a movie to a formulaic movie to make it different, to make it heartfelt, those character moments get harder and harder and harder the more characters you have to do it for. Yes. And so I I do sort of spinning in that direction and that's not my favorite direction and I hope they don't have so many characters in the next movie, God. Right. <laughs> well, guess what? You are absolutely not going to get your wish because yeah. they just announced the cast for Captain America Civil War and it's got every single person in it. Also, it Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther, <laughs> Civil War. Martin Freeman in an unknown role yeah. and that's not Bilbo Baggins and like but see, every As everyone. soon as you said Black Panther, that well, makes me want to see it. I know. That got... That got so, us well, I'm excited. looking forward to the Black Panther movie that is just Black Panther. Black I am right. too. Eight plus there. You know, so I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm giving Marvel credit while I'm actually like, you know, putting my hands up in a in a, in a cross formation to ward off the vampire. That, you know, I don't know how they've done it, but they they really do have us over a barrel. I'm dissatisfied with blockbuster superhero movies, but I intend to go and see but the next one. But not dissatisfied enough. Well, yeah, I, clearly I, not. I am dissatisfied enough that I am making a vow here and now that unless something specific happens to change my mind, mm-hmm. 
I am not going to see Ant-Man. <laughs> that one at least looks like it's funny. <laughs> Paul Rudd? Believe me. Paul I Rudd moves I me not. Admit, I love the scene where he says, I know, I know, I didn't come up with the name. I know. I, but I'm, we'll I'm, see. Yeah. I, now something may happen to change my mind. We'll but see. Unless my mind is changed by something, I'm not going to say She's that. taking a stand. Well, you know, you I go. did not see Thor. I, there's a bunch of uh, yeah, I Marvel movies yeah. I haven't seen yeah. the theater. I, I, I didn't see, see I gave a skip to Thor 2 yeah. on principle. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I see, the last, I didn't see the last Spider-Man. Yeah. And uh, actually, I, I wanted to see it. I just so didn't get around to it. not missing anything. Well, anyway, you know, anyway. we better move on. Yes, yeah, so let's uh, move on. You know, to, although, very quick note. Very quick note. Maybe to be discussed. Just a little mm-hmm. fill up in there. Okay. Uh, they, the upfronts are going on, so they've been announcing a lot of TV things. You know, we, maybe we can do a wrap-up of this next oh. time we talk. But, uh, you know, Agent Carter did get Agent renewed. Carter is coming yes. back. Yes, yes. So yeah. we're and, all agreed. And, 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 a plus there. And, yes. But probably for another limited series. But you know what? That's, That's right. okay. That's coming good. Back. coming back. And a S.H.I.E.L.D. spinoff. I did not get picked up. So. Oh, well, that's something to celebrate. I think enough already. Yes. Yeah. And also, <laughs> they, they, how saw, many TV shows right. do they need? And also, I saw a headline in Variety that I haven't yet read, but it said Agent Shield slips to new low in ratings. So, you know, maybe possibly because hmm. of that. So, hmm. oh, yeah. well. Anyway, well, moving, on, moving, moving on. Moving on. So, uh, uh, have, what? New York Comic Con. Well, Snafu. Yeah. Well, this is like the, the tickets. Uh, you know, just went on sale today. And, for an October uh, show. For the October show. Uh, you know, last time they went on sale in June, so they moved it back a month. And uh, still very, you know, what a surprise. But the servers melted down. People couldn't get on. Uh, I got a call today from somebody yes. trying to get tickets from me. Yes. And people, <laughs> what are everyone you talking about? has been contacted by <laughs> folks looking to get tickets for Comic-Con. Uh, it's actually harder to get tickets from New York Comic Con than San Diego. I feel for for wow. those of us in the industry. I mean, it seems like you could always scare up a badge somehow, but New York Comic Con is so difficult, and uh, not if you have a lot of money apparently. Because minutes after the tickets went on sale, they were up on StubHub and eBay, sometimes selling for a thousand dollars, whereas the actual face value of a three day pass is seventy five dollars. So American capitalism yes, except, finds a way. Except that New York Comic Con has said that they're not going to allow second market, secondary market sales like that. And they have in the past uh, cracked down on it to some degree. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of very Don't angry do that, people. you fools. Yeah, I, I, there was a lot of people who were a little bit dis- uh, disconcerted to see these sales up on StubHub mm. and... Um, you know, I mean, Comic Con in San Diego is very cracks is very, very, very diligent and and uh, dil- uh, you know vigilant to, to prevent this. And uh, I was really very surprised to see all these tickets for sale uh-huh. on on uh, StubHub because well, you we'll could stop if they them. get honored. Well, you could actually, but you see, you could yeah. actually stop StubHub from selling. Like, if you are the actual owner of this event, you could actually stop them from selling things. Yeah. So I was a little surprised to see it keep going on. And they have said in the past that they were having. Uh, yes, I'm not sure. they yeah. have yeah. withdrawn them in the past. Someone forgot. So, so we'll see whether. Well, yeah, what? that's a kind of inter- like yeah. who knew? Who knew that people would want to go to New York Comic Con? So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. All right. News briefs. And news briefs. Well, speaking of New York Comic Con, guess who's coming to New York Comic Con? You'll never guess. Masashi Kishimoto, creator of Naruto, has come Ah. out of his manga basement hideout <laughs> otaku nice. of, of you know of, of like non-stop crazy quantities of work for the last god knows how long oh that'll be huge to yeah. to finally come and and acknowledge and bask in the adoration of yeah, his american well, this is separate the tickets just I, for that. I understand this is not only the first time he's 
done an American con. It's the first time he's done any kind of con, and it's kind of the first time he's left his house since Naruto <laughs> wrapped up. I mean, you know, how, I mean, he had how to did they get him out. You know for what? It. Let me let me. They had to postpone his honeymoon while he finished Naruto. <laughs> yes, so yes. I mean, you know, I'm not exaggerating. I'm yeah, really yeah. not. I don't. You know, I don't know, but that is yeah. huge. And I mean, my understanding is when they do these big trips after their little princes, they go right back to their hotel rooms yeah. and draw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but his manga's over, so. Until he starts his next manga, he has a little. But you know, time he started. You know, they've started a new. They're starting a new Naruto post Naruto no, Naruto. Yeah, but that's that's just a like mini. That's not. He's not. It's not. It's not full length like but, Naruto. Yeah. But that's, so he's a little more free. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know that said, um, you know, like anytime you're leaving your house and going overseas, and this is your first trip, and you're going to New York Comic Con, I'm like, boy, he is never going to do another event. The guy's <laughs> never going to leave the house again. You know, <laughs> Salinger, step aside. I will say this: I was very impressed that um, uh, kind of Sensei um, was kind of out partying there uh, a little bit at. Uh, at TK. Oh, Guru Hero, yeah. man! Every time, everywhere I looked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, they were all over yeah, the place. Yeah, just explain Guru Hero. Uh, they're best known here for the Avatar. They do yeah. the art for Avatar, but uh, this is like a duo uh, where two women—they are, I guess, roommates or flat. You know, they live in a joining mm-hmm. house or something. One does the color, one does the art, and you know, so they work under one pen name. But it's two people, and you know, they were definitely mm-hmm. every time I went to the mall, I would see yeah. them. They were at the closing <laughs> yeah, night yeah. party. I mean, yeah, they yeah. were having the time of their lives. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Anyway, uh, so yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, Kate. Oh, yeah. More so, news briefs. More news briefs. CBLDF has launched what some people are jokingly calling the Tinder of comic appearances, <laughs> Comic Connector, a resource that will help institutions and creators find each other in order to have comic book yeah. and graphic novel related appearances. Absolutely, yeah. Well, and easy to parody, but actually kind of a good it's idea. It's actually a great idea mm-hmm. because I mean, I think. The average librarian does not know which comic creators live in their neighborhood and vice versa. And, you know, I mean, shops too. And I think it's it's a great resource. You and know. indeed, if someone does know that they live in their neighborhood, they can maybe look them up on on yeah. uh, CBLDF site and say, hey, maybe we can get them into our school, our right. library. Or yeah. they can even just say, who's in our neighborhood? Yeah. And go, hey, who knew they lived yeah, here? Yeah. And Ask them in. Connect and do, to do workshops or what. It, 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 it really opens up a way to, to connect comics creators, perhaps the institutions in their neighborhoods. Yes. But one comic that is not making a connection is Mouse. Now, <laughs> now, poor, poor Mouse. <laughs> Such a beloved comic and so very clearly anti-Nazi. But apparently the Russian government did not get the memo. Um, basically, in observance of the 70th anniversary of the end of World War II, um, the Russian government is pulling out all the stops to celebrate. And they're also really worried about their own neo-Nazi population rising up and causing trouble. And so they've been banning everything that could look like it's even slightly related to neo-Nazis. So basically, if it's got a swastika, they're banning it. Unfortunately, they're also banning all the anti-Nazi stuff that's got a swastika on the cover too just to be safe yeah it seems a little (laughs) ham-handed but you know well i guess you gotta make that special german cover 
<laughs> Variant covers, guys. Well, it I really think, works. So I come don't on, think Arts, I don't think Art's having it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Art Spiegelman variant covers, baby. Come yeah, on. So. Plain brown wrapper. But uh, so, you know, another curious incident in the uh, world of Putin. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're coming toward the end yeah, here of this week. We have we, a lot to cover, but... We have so much more to come in the future, guys. Yes. So much more to come. So until next time... More... To... Come. <laughs>